freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 267 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan. Our theme today is virtual 2020 Second Amendment DC rally. And our guest is Bree Michael Warner. Bree is the owner and lead firearms instructor of Tactical Gal Incorporated in New York. Inspired to turn pain into purpose after the passing of her first husband. Her pro-God, pro-gun brand strives to embolden women in building a foundation of both spiritual and physical preparedness. In addition to her training company, Tactigal, she continues to be a rare conservative voice in Hollywood with her work in the television and film industry while simultaneously serving her community as part-time law enforcement officer. Welcome to the show, Miss Bree. Thank you. I know that's quite a mouthful. <laughs> You are very diametrically opposed. <laughs> yes, you're a woman of many hats. And uh, <laughs> my goodness. So let's just kind of dive in here. How does a person make this transition from, you know, Hollywood, which we kind of know nowadays as being, you know, very left leaning and, you know, shame, shame for anybody that owns guns, unless they're making money on film, you know, using one incorrectly, usually, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> All the way, all the way on those triggers. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. All the way to becoming a, a second amendment advocate. So yeah, it's, you know, I, it was a very circuitous sort of route. And if you would have asked me even 10 years ago, I would have never guessed that this was sort of the trajectory. I, I didn't grow up around guns, you know, yes, I worked in Hollywood and, and Ironically, I was actually playing a lot of the roles that I would play were law enforcement, usually a lot of detectives, things like that. So I was sort of dealing in that realm, but by no means doing it professionally. Uh, I was always in the, in the sort of pretend world of, of Hollywood. But um, back in 2013, I was, I was previously married and my first husband had passed away very suddenly. And I have to say, when that happened, my whole world shifted, literally. I mean, not only personally and going through, you know, being such a young widow and, and living in New York City on my own. But what I was realizing is how vulnerable that left me. And, and I suddenly kind of looked at my life in a very different perspective. You know, here I, I had everything sort of going. I mean, I, I was very happily married. I had a pretty nice career happening. And then suddenly the rug got swept from beneath me. And so what it did is it actually started getting to me to look at 
what did I want that next chapter to look like? Um, you know, I kind of felt like, to be honest, that a lot of what I was doing in Hollywood, although it was fun and I enjoyed it and I'm very grateful for it, it's also a very self-serving profession. And for me, it just, it no longer satisfied this sort of need to want to do more with my life. And so honestly, it, it, I, from the moment that that happened, I started looking at ways of how can I change my story? How can I turn this into something of purpose, turning all this pain into purpose is sort of the theme of, of my life, so to speak. And that led me into uh, becoming more involved in firearms. I was introduced to them as a means to be able to protect myself now that, especially that I was alone and I was you know, living in New York City. And then I loved it. And then the more I trained, the more passionate I became about it. And then that actually led me to want to start my own company. And my, <clears throat> my company, Tactical Inc., does focus on training women specifically. Um, you know, I find that women... They learn in a different manner. They're, the environments that they're more comfortable in is very different than some of the more conventional classes. So I kind of wanted to create an environment where they felt very safe and supported and, and learned to be confident in themselves. So from that point, honestly, then the next indicated step was, well, you know what? I've been playing detectives on TV and it's something that I've always been very interested in. And I thought, you know what? That's a way that I can give back. And so I sort of took that giant leap into law enforcement. So everything kind of bridged together. And, and quite frankly, I still do work in Hollywood. I still kind of vacillate between the two worlds. So it's been a really fun, interesting and unexpected journey for sure. That's awesome. It really is. And you know, there is so much that goes into uh, training for, you know, as a civilian, right? To be mm -hmm, a, a concealed carry holder or just a gun owner <clears throat> in your home or whatever. And then there's another kind of training that comes into how law enforcement interacts with the tools themselves and the public in general. So you are very well-rounded <laughs> and prepared for any of those, those roles. Was there, this is totally off script, but was there a, a, an arc that you went through, a learning arc where maybe you didn't get great, good training on camera and then you started to realize in real life oh my gosh that stuff yes. that I've already been filmed doing is not okay yes so there was a lot of bad training like you said or lack thereof it was literally here's the actor here's the prop master here's your firearm they do a brief safety check and they put it in your hand and sometimes you get no training it's just sort of like you emulate what you've previously seen on other television and film, which is usually bad habits. But I will say, I do have one quick story. I was doing a, a movie years ago and they had uh, on, the, on the set, they had a prop gun. Now a prop gun, meaning that what they did is they actually took a real firing gun. Now they did not remove the firing pin. And that's a really specific point that I wanna make because they had just kind of after the fact plugged the barrel that sort of made it now a prop gun in their mind. The problem is, is that they wanted the talent being myself to load a, a, a magazine with actual live rounds in it because they wanted that shot of the live rounds going into the gun. And I immediately, I knew something was wrong. I was like, this is not, this. I, at the time I didn't know anything really about firearms but I knew that that wasn't correct. And we had a baby on set. There was so many things that could have gone wrong in that situation. Oh and I literally refused to do it. I was like, no, you know, you can do that as a secondary insert shot but like, we're not, I'm not putting live rounds into a gun that literally has a plug barrel, but the firing pin is still there. So it wow. crazy stuff happens on set, <clears throat> and it's a miracle that more people aren't injured sometimes. That that is <laughs> good pretty. for you. So Bree, uh, one of the th comments you made is that you know you, you got into the guns a little bit and you got excited about it, and that's the thing that's really cool about what we're doing is that 
I've never seen anybody that's got proper training to learn how to first fire a gun, turn them down. Everybody loves it. If they're trained right at the start, if they're, so if they're introducing taught, new people, introducing new people yeah. to guns at the start. And instead of just saying here, shoot this big gun and don't mm. give them any training. So people, it is a, it's a fun and it's awesome sport, isn't it? I love it. And that's, that's exactly what I kind of press upon when I teach, because a lot of the times, like I always, my favorite are the groups of women that have literally never shot a gun before. I, I had a class just recently that I had 12 ladies that I think all but one had literally never fired a firearm and never touched one even. So for them, it was a brand new experience. And, and you're right. I know that if especially for women, that if it becomes a very bad experience, if it's just sort of that, let's just put a gun in her hand and let her shoot it. Um, that environment is usually doesn't really result in great no. um, outcomes. And women, they have a tendency to shut down. And if they don't enjoy the experience, they're probably not going to revisit it. And I think, you know, especially as a woman, I'm such an advocate of being able to be self-reliant and defend yourself. And so for me, it's really important that I make sure that, that those first moments are you know kind of a, a pleasant experience for somebody that they actually feel not only is it fun but they feel like they have enough know-how and some of the the basic essentials to be safe while doing it and i think that's a big that's a big key uh, you know difference between just teaching somebody and then just handing them a firearm right right absolutely well thank you so, for that yes and your tactical brand does focus on both the physical preparedness as well as spiritual uh, angle to, to things. How much of a role did your uh, faith play in your grieving process and after losing your first husband? It was huge. I, I honestly cannot say that if I didn't have faith, I don't really know how I would have managed through it. I think for me, it, there was my, my faith really kind of kept me focused on, I have to power through this. Like I, you know, I always say I had two choices. I could either figure out a way to push through this, or I can literally just succumb to my grief and become a completely different person in all the wrong ways. And so for me, my faith, I'm, I'm a devout Christian. And for me, you know, God was, was, he had me in his hands. And I, and I know that look, the world sort of shifted on its axis when my first husband passed away, but I trusted in the process. And I trusted that where I needed to go, where that path I needed to travel, God would make sure that I'd stayed on it, even if I couldn't even see my own feet. And so for me, it was the very thing that actually be, you know, was able to push me through it. And then honestly brought me this sort of personal evolution of what I was able to do in those next chapters. I mean, that was all by God's design because I would have never designed that for myself because I would have never even imagined that was a direction I would be led. Right. Boy, that is uh, really kind of the theme of even our own lives. We're entrepreneurs and all we ever really knew was that we, we wanted to, you know, be in business for ourselves, but to, to end up 35 years later, working together all these years, Dan and I, uh, I certainly would have never anticipated that I would be, you know, a, a second amendment advocate, you know, speaking at events and doing this podcast radio show. Uh, but I just stayed open to what, what I felt God, you know, he's like, okay, really? You want me to what now? Exactly. Oh, okay. He's an amazing writer. When we give him the pen and paper, he is an amazing writer. Once we Amen. just get out of our own ways. <laughs> Amen to that. 
Um, so what, what do you, as law enforcement, what do you do in law enforcement? So mind. I work actually part-time here in, uh, in upstate New York. So it was a nice transition because when I was starting to look at, um, you know, whether or not I really wanted to make this change, I thought, wow, because I was doing this much later in life. I was already well into my late thirties when this transition started happening. And so I'm like, do I really want to make a complete career change at this point? Uh, you know, would that be traumatic on top of the trauma that I'd already experienced? And I found an opportunity mm -hmm. with the department to work part-time as a deputy sheriff. And I was like, that's perfect because it still allows me sort of the leeway to work in Hollywood because I do still love it. And honestly, I like being that alternative voice in Hollywood. I feel like mm -hmm. I need to stay there to, to kind of help share a different perspective and a different story. But at the same time, it allows me to work part-time in law enforcement and still kind of be that sheepdog because I, you know, I got into it because I did want my life to sort of, you know, feel like it had more meaning to it, that it wasn't so self-serving. And so for me, that was a great way to balance two worlds. Well, I think it's great that you're in law enforcement and you're also teaching civilians how yeah. to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. That is- And teaching beautiful. them use of force, that that's a big thing too, you know, that's that's a big component that a lot of folks who are concealed carry holders don't necessarily always understand the the law that surrounds uh, that use of force. And I think it's really important for them to be educated in that too, so that they know their boundaries and they know that they do have this ability, but you know, there's certain steps and cer certain things that you have to be mindful of, um, you know, that you can't just go out and do whatever you want. That's not right. how it goes. And a lot of people don't really know that sometimes. <laughs> right. right, that's true. That is so true. Um, so I want to talk about some other hat that you wear with your multiple hats. There's you, more? Yes. <laughs> but wait, there's more. There's more. I'm like a um, shampoo. What's yes. the, the, what's the, yes. the, the little like the cloth? Sham yes. <laughs> I don't even know, but yes, one of those. Um, <laughs> you are an ambassador for Turning Point USA and the Falkirk Center. I think there's probably maybe more people that are familiar now with the TP USA Turning Point and, and Charlie Kirk and all of that, but maybe fewer that are familiar with the Falkirk Center. So just kind yeah. of walk us through both of those uh, ambassadorships. Sure. Well, those, again, were just such a blessing because, you know, I think, you know, when you're in the 2A community, um, it's really important that you be bold in your sort of your viewpoints, because I think more people do need to speak up and, and speak up in a platform that, you know, can kind of gain a larger audience. And so I was introduced to the folks over at Turning Point by a mutual friend who was already working as an ambassador, my, my friend Amy Robbins, she owns Alexo Athletica, a really amazing girl. And so she was kind enough to sort of forward my information to them. And then I came on board. And so for me, Turning Point was a great opportunity because what it was doing was helping to share conservative values to college age students across the country. And I think now they even, and they also do some of the teens, so more like high school into college. And I think back, I'm like, wow, I wish I had this when I was in college because I was sort of the oddball conservative. I went to, to school at USC in, in Southern California. And I can guarantee you that I was sort of an anomaly. I wasn't really, there wasn't many uh, conservatives on campus, I would say. And so for me, I was like, wow, this is a great opportunity to help talk to young people and encourage them to be, you know, bold in their convictions and not to shy away from it. You know, know that, yes, you're, you might lose a few friends and, and maybe coworkers in, in the in the fallout of that when you're when you're more open about who you are. But at the same time, what you'll gain is tenfold. And so I think it's it's great to be able to get a little bit more into the political arena uh, with Turning Point. And then the Falkirk Center sort of came as a uh, 
kind of, it was like a sister sort of program where it was more faith-based. So it was still, you know, dealing with politics, but now the focus is really on speaking to young adults about faith. And again, being bold about that. And I feel like once again, when I was in school, when I was that age, you know, most of my friends didn't talk about their, their religious convictions. You know, that was something that you kept very close to the heart. Like you didn't really, you were sort of maybe kind of a little embarrassed. It was just awkward. It was sort of this taboo thing to talk about. And I love that the Falkirk Center, what it does, it's, it's from Liberty University. That's where it started. And it really is about sharing the message of faith and how do we further the kingdom of God and doing it with all of the young people out there. Because I feel like the world is so rapidly changing that we need to be able to speak to these young folks and really get them on board to be solid in their faith, be solid in their political convictions, in their conservative values, and be forthright about it and go into the world and, and really kind of continue that, that fight that most of us have already started and then just continue it on. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I feel more than ever in my life that we are definitely experiencing uh, a spiritual battle. And for people that are listening that maybe aren't people of faith, you know, even if you just consider the American spirit, right, there is just definitely, um, you know, a shift and a change in what we are even free and allowed socially and culturally to say, and how we are able to present ourselves. And so to give uh, people a bit of a backbone, you know, a bit of a yeah. spine that, you know, it is okay. And look, we're both very normal people. We have very <laughs> normal full lives. And yet, you know, we, we're Aren't we all supposed to just jump off the cliff. Everybody? <laughs> you know, so I you survived, you survived the college in, in California with those thoughts. I did. I kept most of them to myself, but it's funny, you know, the more that, because again, I still work in that realm and the more open I've become, because now I'm at an age where I'm like, I don't even care what you think about me. Um, you know, what I'm finding out is that there's a lot more curiosity now because I think people didn't expect that from me, especially those that have already known me for some time and maybe have already developed a level of respect. So now there's a genuine interest and curiosity, like what makes me tick because I, it's so unexpected to them, but we start to dialogue. And I have to tell you, those are some of the most amazing conversations with yeah. people that have different views than I do, but because there is at least the common ground of respect that we get a lot further in that conversation. And, you know, again, maybe I don't change everything that they think, but I at least give them a slightly different perspective. Absolutely. Well, and that kind of segues beautifully with the, the next thing I want to talk about. And that is uh, this year's big rally that was going to be held in Washington, D.C. Uh, we've gone virtual with it because, you know, COVID and everything yeah. else crazy that's going on in the world. Uh, it's going to be held on Saturday, October 24th. It will be a virtual event. And you are one of our speakers. And I'm so excited to uh, hear what you're going to be sharing with us. But can you give us kind of like a little sneak peek preview of, of what we could expect? Sure. Well, I think, you know, kind of going along with what we've been talking about, it's about, you know, empowering my, my goal. You know, I, I understand that, you know, it's sometimes it seems like we're speaking in sort of like this vacuum when we're only around each other. And, but the, the reality is, is that not everybody feels empowered to speak up. They might share the same thoughts, but for whatever reason, they are hesitant on really being open about that. And I think that's the only time we're going to see change is that 
more and more people speak up. And, you know, one of the things when I was writing my speech that I really kind of focused upon is that there's 393 million gun owners in America. That's almost half of the U.S. population. That's a staggering number. And when you think about how much power that can have behind those voices, that many voices, that's significant. And I think sometimes people in our community don't realize the power that they have in, in their own voice. And so for me, my speech is very much about trying to encourage a lot of others to, to come forward and to speak out. And, and, you know, those changes happen small and incrementally. You know, it's not, we're not going to change the world overnight, but we can definitely speak up and try to make some forward progress. Boy, that is so true. And, you know, so often people say that rallies are only a way to just preach to the choir. Um, and yet your life seems to be an example, right, of, of yeah. building bridges and of, of expanding your uh, sphere of influence in multiple different ways and layers. And so what, what would you say to people that are like, well, you're only going to get people tuned in who already agree with you? Well, I would say, you know, I understand that perspective. I totally get it because I feel like, you know, I, I'm sure they're coming from the mindset of, well, you know, what good does it do? If I say something, what good does it do? Um, but that's where I think a lot of us, we, we shortchange ourselves because we don't take that step. Um, you know, we have to be able to encourage one another because as a unit, again, like think about the people that are attending the physical rally. If the, you know we had the physical rally and then you start to multiply that exponentially by all the people that hopefully will be viewing it online. And so now that it's virtual, I honestly, I understand the setbacks to that, you know, in, in terms of, you know, it's nice to have that energy, that live feel, but at the same time, I do feel like that sphere of influence is so much more broad now because we are going virtual. Mm -hmm. And I would say to those folks that feel like, oh, well, we're just talking to each other in a circle. Take what you learned on that rally, listen to those stories, be inspired, be encouraged, and then go out into the world and put yourself in situations where you're going to be dealing with people of opposite thought process, opposite thinking, and start to interject, start to become more outspoken, be your own advocate in your own life, because each of us has a story to tell. I mean, I have mine, but everybody's got something that they, it connects them to the Second Amendment. And I think it's really important that these rallies sort of remind all of us that we have that power within us. And mm -hmm. it's not just the rally, it's what we can do to hopefully encourage each other to go out into the world and continue that mission. There's a lot of people on the fence with that, that haven't decided whether or not they want to be a gun owner or uh, or is a rights person. And so we just have to be courteous and talk with an open mind and listen to them too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I'm seeing mm -hmm. is I'm actually getting, you know, because I don't, you know, I'm open about who I am, but I'm not, and I'm not apologetic, but I don't force it on somebody else. But what, I, what I've noticed now, because the world is changing and they are seeing this, is that I'm having a lot more inquiries with people that are not gun people. These are folks that are very typically politically very left-leaning and they're now, you know, they're they're concerned for the safety of themselves and their families and they're actually reaching out and they're becoming more interested in guns and how to get training, how to learn about the laws. And I find that is that's huge. And it's sure. a small inquiry that in their mm -hmm. mind maybe not is that the big of a deal, but for the rest of us in the 2A community that's amazing. The fact that we're, we're actually getting people that haven't really thought about it until now 
come to us, I'm like, this is great. This is like perfect opportunity for me to help, you know, educate them and get them excited and get them to understand, you know, the, the best thing that I've discovered so far is when I've had those inquiries, people realize how difficult it is to get a firearm. They just think that like, they decide they want to do this and then they're going to go to like the store and go pick it up and go home and that's that. And they don't understand that there's a process to be had. And especially right now in the middle of COVID, it's very difficult to get inventory. It's very difficult to get ammo. Um, you know, the process isn't just show up at your store and, and go pick it up. Many states do have certain restrictions, especially in New York. There's a lot of hoops you got to jump through. So it's a very educating experience for them to have to go through it. And I'm actually really happy about that. I'm grateful. <laughs> now, there's been With the COVID thing, there's been 5 million new gun owners. And we have AZ Firearms in Avondale, Arizona. And we have a lot of new people that came in to buy guns. And they were shocked that, mm -hmm. oh, uh, I have to wait to see if I clear. And then, oh, yeah. So it's really good. And But the cool thing about that, I think, is that if these people will get training, which we really encourage, they start to like guns and they feel that, well, maybe I should change the way I vote because there's a threat here. Mm -hmm. There's a threat on exactly. protecting my life. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think that it could be the little silent giant that comes and pops out on November uh, for the election. Third, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. But again, training, 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 right? Yes, it's imperative, you know, and it's not, I always say it's not enough to just do a basic safety class. A lot of the times, you know, depending, you know, unfortunately there's, you know, it's like anything, there's great instructors and then there's instructors that just sort of go through the motions. And I do think that a lot of times people just think, oh, I just did a basic safety class, you know, to get my permit or just, you know, just to get the gun and I'm good. And it's like, no, not really. I mean, I, I understand that it's financially it can be sort of burdensome for some, you know, to get training because it can be costly, but it's one of those things where I, I'm always an advocate, like don't go crazy on getting a, a slicked, you know, kind of blinged out gun, get, get a gun that's reliable and get good training that oh, that's nice. where you want to spend your money more than anything else. Right. Boy, absolutely. And here in Arizona, we don't even have to have a concealed carry license in order mm -hmm. to conceal you know, to carry concealed. Yet, I would say the vast majority of people get the training anyway. And so I think that's a huge testament to the fact that, you know, responsibly armed citizens are actually more than law abiding, and uh, that we set such a good example. And for all of these 5 million brand new gun owners to start to understand who we are from the inside out, I think that this is such a beautiful moment in time uh, and an honor for anyone, for us to be able to speak, you know, if they come to us for information, I love that you see that, you know, uh, as a, a position of honor that you're, you're able to represent <laughs> your, your, our community well and to sort of foster people in to their comfort level, not pushing anybody. Um, but that that's so beautiful. And I'm so thankful to know you and, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. It has been it has been such a blessing. And like I said, never would have expected it, but wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you just tell folks as we start wrapping up how they can follow? Oh, no, wait, 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 work? wait, wait, wait. What did we miss? And there's more. If you'd like to get more information. Oh, <laughs> he wants to do it like an infomercial. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I need like my 800 number on the bottom. 
right. It, yes. So how can, how can people get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, I'm definitely, uh, I'm, I'm on social media. So on Instagram, I'm Tactical NYC. Uh, so with a G. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I've got a Facebook page also under uh, Tactical. And then I actually have a website. I, I still, I'm a diehard. I love having good websites. They've got all listings for training and information and blogs and whatnot. So that would be tacticalinc.com. So any of those ways, and I always welcome people, please, if you've got questions, message me, you know, you can send me an email through the website or direct message me on Instagram. And I'm always happy to help. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much for all you do. Can't wait to hear your speech on Saturday, October 24th at the big 2A virtual rally. Wonderful. I look forward to it as well. And I'll see you very soon. I'm so excited to be doing it with you. Thanks, awesome. Marie. Thank you. Bye-bye, Miss Bree. Bye-bye. <laughs> Right. My goodness. She that has was some energy. awesome. Yes. I can't she about everything she does. And, um, I think that she is setting an amazing example through her work with turning point mm -hmm. USA and the Falkirk, um, center. How would you like right? to be, yes. you know, in, in, in school, the young person in school and very few of you, of the people believe in what you believe in and, if you, you know, you're kind of getting bullied, aren't you? If you, if you try to speak about how you want to, you know, your it, rights and it stuff. It seems like that's where we are. And that's part of that spiritual battle. I think that, you know, people are trying to figure out, you know, how the people that we might think are bullying, how can they hold to their principles and then respect and honor that other people maybe have different thoughts and ideas. Right. I don't know where we stopped learning that. Um, no, we're stupid if we don't agree with them now. I mean, you're, you're different. You're in, they call you names. They, right. they do things and they actually let you go. I mean, they don't even involve you in projects, whatever. Mm -hmm. That'd be a terrible time to be in school. Yeah. And so then if you're <clears throat> the outcast on that, in that scenario, how, you know, what are your coping skills that, so that you are not just swayed to just kind yeah. of go along to get along. So to have um, voices out there like Miss um, Bree is, right. is an amazing thing. And it gives me hope because we have, uh, I mean, our daughter is very strong personality, very outspoken, uh, but then the two granddaughters coming up, I mean, yeah. they've got, they're gonna have a, a different world to live in than, than what you and I grew up in. And of course, our family is going to, you know, pass along our traditions and our values, but then, you know, she's going to be met with perhaps this other, you know, side that has no tolerance for what we've empowered them with right. and, and how our granddaughter's not going to feel like, Hey, you set me up to fail here, right. you know, because well, look what happened with we aren't in lockstep yeah. with, Look what, look what happened to our daughter in uh, high school when Obama was being mm -hmm. uh, was Obama was set up to be president in his first run. first run that that they just you know they had little votes and stuff and if you didn't vote for Obama then you were an outcast well just class discussions yeah Cassie was I think either the lone voice or one of maybe two or three that you know, we're, we're kind of like that dissenting opinion, like, well, okay, but what about these ideas? Yeah. And if she wasn't built of the stuff that she's built of, I, she might've either just been quiet and left it to the other people to assume how she felt, 
or she might've actually changed her opinion so that she, you know, could go along with what the popular opinion was. But, um, yeah, I've, I've seen several people that are powerful speakers that have kids that were influenced in college to be different. And you sit there and go, how in the heck did that happen? And it's because everybody wants to be part of the crowd. Everybody wants to, they don't, you know, they don't want to be bullied and they don't want to have to stand up to it. The bullying language is so, um, I mean, it, it, it cuts to your core. I mean, you're told you're called a racist, you know, and you're like, well, I'm not a racist. And then all these voices are telling you, well, if you believe this, 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 and this, which really has nothing to do with, with racism sometimes, uh, then therefore you're racist. And then so it's sort of like the, if you don't like, uh, what, if you don't vote for this proposition, you must not like kids, right? Mm, You know, it's do it for the kids. Those are fun. Do it for kids. You know, it's, what? No, I, I don't disagree with you, but I wanted to make this one point before we um, have to blast out of here that that whole idea of um, what Bree was talking about, the 393 million gun owners, every time I hear a number associated with gun owners, I'm like, that you know about. Yeah, <laughs> right, right that you know about, right. <laughs> Truly, if we weren't federal firearms license holders, um, how would anybody know that we're gun owners? Then oh, the, the fact that I have set a it up howitzer, that, way. that I have a howitzer in the garage every once in a while. We probably, if we weren't gun store owners, you probably wouldn't have gotten away with. Oh, oh, by the way, honey, on the way home, I picked up a. <clears throat> you mean you know a howitzer? If I didn't have two. the gun shop, I wouldn't be able to have a howitzer. Probably not. <laughs> well, maybe I need to buy a football stadium or something. Um, but but so that's you know there are pro there are at least according to oh. three, 393 right. million gun owners, because it's nobody's business, you know, what, what you own. We were we kids. As long as you were a responsibly armed citizen, then right. there's no reason right. for anyone. To when know. we were kids, my dad would absolutely beat us <laughs> if we said that we owned guns. Right. We were not, we it's didn't, like, run, we couldn't have the NRA that. sticker on the truck. We couldn't have, and we took guns out. We put them in a blanket or put them in a box mm-hmm. and put them in the truck. We, there was no talk about guns. Well, except for the one that you had on the rack, you know. That was in high school. That's when I became liberated. <laughs> gotcha. um, <clears throat> but then the other idea about that, you know, number of gun owners and that that's been increased recently um, by at least 5 million uh, brand new gun owners. There is a difference between someone who just owns a gun and someone who understands their rights. Right. Big and then difference. Someone who advocates and speaks out and votes and speaks with their representatives about their rights. So there are very distinct categories. And just because somebody's a gun owner doesn't mean that that's going to translate to how they vote. Now, it is a much stronger possibility, right? Is someone going to be an advocate necessarily without having personally experienced it by owning a gun? Probably not. So we have this rich, fertile soil of people who they at least understand now, oh yeah, I am my own immediate responder. Plus the civil unrest that's going on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's going to help with our voting, I think this year. It can't hurt, but right. it's not an automatic. No, it's not because a lot of people don't, uh, 
I'm disappointed in how many people that own firearms are not first responsible firearms owners by getting the right training. There are some, but that there are so many that don't vote. And that's the thing. When I look at the it doesn't state, doesn't do any of, good. They say, "Oh, that drives me crazy to to vote. Like my vote doesn't count," um, which it does, and clearly it does. Or you wouldn't have all of the all of this money spent trying to win your vote by parties and candidates. So, um, but when I just look at the state of California, if every gun owner in California was in one of these other two categories, you know, people who understand their rights and then people who advocate for their rights, I think the landscape for gun rights in California would just necessarily have to be different. Right. There's just too many they did, people. They kept that, quiet. Yeah, it's like, well, I'm just a hunter. Yeah. I've, you know, I've got my shotgun. What do I care? They're not going to take my shotgun. Oh, really? They're not? Really? They're, they're, well, back in the 70s? Let's check the, the, the tapes on back that. Back in the 70s, California was the strongest market for gun sales in the country. Mm-hmm. They had the biggest gun show in the country. It was It, it would take you days to go through it. And people love guns and there are i mean how many times do we go to california and buy guns because they're they're illegal now so we have to buy them to bring them back here mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they become not illegal i mean i looked so at 250 sad. guns last night all those guns came from california the guy risked bringing them across and it's it's sad because we we as gun owners back in the days we kept quiet and the minority yelling screaming influenced enough because if the politicians only hear the yelling and screaming from the minority that says guns are bad, if they don't hear from the other side, then naturally, what are they going to think when it comes time for them to do their voting for bills? Exactly. If they're going to, well, everybody that calls me on the phone says, we, we don't like guns. Yeah. Everybody. So right. why? And then we look at it and say, why should we make the call to politicians? They're not going to listen to us anyway. There are some that might not listen to you. They have, they're set on their ways, but there are so many that you can influence by just taking the time to email or call them. Amen to that. And what does the lottery say? Can't, Can't win. win if you don't play, if you don't play. So <laughs> you cannot influence, you cannot, I have no <clears throat> idea. You cannot influence your representative if you don't bother to let them know who you are and how you want to be represented. All right. Even if it's Pelosi in California, as far whatever side she is that she's at, she's pretty woke out in the water. Um, you you still need to preach to her. You still need to tell her, I live in California, I have rights, and you can't take my guns away from me. Nicely though, you don't threaten, you don't, you know, you, you do be it courtesy because she probably won't be, but you at least do that right and, and then they hang already... a hairdryer on her on her uh, tree too out in the fence or whatever <laughs> but whatever um the people that know that they disagree with you they are already they've already put you in a category of you know the angry gun owner or the angry yeah, we don't want to be angry or something like that and so if you prove them right with your behavior then you're making their point for them and it's easy to discount you and discount your voice and whoever else your voice represents in their mind. If you stay respectful and logical and consistent 
in communicating with them, you are much harder to just label and cast aside. Right. So. Let's, let's look at one other thing. Let's look at California right now. I mean, California back in the 70s versus now and how the gov- it's big, big, big government and it's control of its population. They do it with their parking. They do it with everything that they do, all their laws. And let's look at the situation with Disneyland right now. Mm. Okay. Disneyland's going through a lot. Now, I would say that Disneyland is a very liberal operated company. Mm-hmm. And they they grew with almost everybody else in California that, you know, a lot of people are liberal. And we are seeing now that this liberal thinking may not be so good for business. Disneyland is going through a lot right now. They're starting to lay people off, which I think is great. Sorry for the people that are getting laid off, but I think it's great because now the governor has to look at how many more unemployment checks they have to write because of a poor decision that they made. Mm-hmm. Look at look at Florida. Mm-hmm. Florida's opening up. They're doing okay. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not bad. It's about control. And we are they're going to always be that way as long as they can have control. They're going to control everyone. Mm-hmm. And so, well, and that is the reason that we have the Bill of Rights. That's the firewall. That's where that stops. That's what it was designed to do is to say, okay, government, you know, here's, here's what we need you to do to operate. And here, the Bill of Rights, you can't go on the other side of that because that is for the, the, right. right. Because our founding fathers had lived through something that was bad enough that they had to pick up arms. You mean Britain made us wear masks? <laughs> That's a different story for another they day. They kind of did. No, I mean, they they muzzled us yes, right, in a lot right. of ways. Um, but um, yeah, well, we, we can talk about that another time. Well, they but limited how many people founding, could speak as a group. Our founding fathers went through something that caused them to have to pick up arms. And they understood that government is going to keep moving forward and Till we stop them until we stop them with our uh with our votes is right. how right you it's know, not that's the yeah. level that we are at right now um, it can be stopped with our votes we don't have to go any further than that yeah the people that are already want, trying to jump ahead and say well no let's just go to like a civil war let's pick up arms but if you if you have done your full weight of your job with being your your civic duty and your voting and, you know, helping to to support good candidates and which therefore defeats bad candidates. If you've already done all of that, then maybe we can talk about the next thing, but you haven't done your work yet. We as a citizenry have not done our work or we wouldn't right now be so concerned with who's going to sit on the Supreme court because we know that our laziness has resulted in too much of our governing happening in the judiciary, in the courts. Well, look at California again, that they keep re-electing these politicians that are failing. Why not take a chance with some new people that might, even if they're Democrats, they may make a change, right? Mm -hmm. But we keep voting this. How long has Biden been? 47 years? What is he going to do? What is he going to do for us? That is almost my entire yes. lifetime. 47 years. What has he done? Almost my entire lifetime. Right. This and you, man and you has say, been. Oh, but now I'm going to change. And look at Pelosi. How long has Pelosi been in Congresswoman? 900 years. Yeah. Something like right. That. So she, um, I don't know. So, a long time. So you look at it and say, 
if you don't like it, make a change. She's not making it better. Tell me how anything's better. Apparently it's not, but as long as uh, somebody in power can get worse, I don't think it can. Don't say that. No, it's 2020. Do not say that. But um, as long as somebody in these positions can, can try to, you know, say, but look how bad it is. And I'm the solution. And we keep buying into it and falling for it when they've been there through all of the, what took us into the, the yuck. Come on. We can be smarter than that. All right. We we thank our guests. Did we thank Brie? Uh, let's thank her again. Oh, yes. Thank you. Bree Michael Warner of Tactigal Inc. Awesome lady. Um, thank you so much to all of our listeners. Time, your time is your most valuable and finite commodity. And you could be doing anything right now with your time, but you chose to spend it with us. And thank you. Thank you. We, we cannot tell you how much we value that. Um, if you are listening on, um, audio only through our website, um, gun- and you don't have to look at me. That'd be awesome. Right. <laughs> what do they say? I have a face for radio. Yeah. Um, uh, go to gunfreedomradio.com, Click the on demand tab and you can binge listen to your heart's content, darling to all of the episodes that we have posted there and click the guest tab. You can see photos and bios and links to all of the guests that we've ever had on. It is a tremendous resource of uh, subject matter matter experts. Um, Please spend some time there. We don't hate it when you spend time there. And uh, until next time. Pray for our lead our, our country first. Pray for our, the world. Pray our for country. our world. Pray for our nation. Our country, our nation needs we, help right now. We have this humongous election coming up. It's a it's gonna be a doozy. Yeah, Dan, it's gonna be a doozy. I don't uh, know what a doozy is. Does anybody really know what a doozy is? I don't know. Why don't we Google it? I don't want to. I don't want to Google anything. You should Google it. Um, anyway, it's going to be a big election. You do not want to miss your opportunity to weigh in on this election and prayerfully so. That's our method. We we pray before we come on the air. We pray over our businesses. We pray over our guests. And uh, we prayerfully uh, engage in uh, the, the voting um, process. To, to get ourselves, uh, do our research, get educated before we yeah, vote. Yeah, pray that somebody doesn't cheat. Yeah, for sure that, that, uh, that it's a safe and fair election and a definitive election. Uh, there's already noises and rumblings that it's going to be a long time before we really know how it's going to land. And you can take, I, if it takes four years, it's okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I don't know. No, don't necessarily say that because um, anyway. Right, um, we might. Yeah, no, we, I was just kidding there. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah. Pray for our, our nation, pray for our leaders, pray for our representatives, all of them. Every single one. Even the ones you don't like, Dan? Yep, maybe. Especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. 